Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We have a very, very special guest. She is the host of the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. Also, one of the stars of NFL Live on ESPN, Mina Kimes. And Mina, I got to tell you, so you, your, ho- your, your podcast co-hosted by a canine named mm-hmm. Lenny. Um, mm-hmm. I misread our exchange about the timing of this show and because I, 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 I misread the time zone. And so I thought we were going to be doing this three hours earlier. So it was going to be before I picked up the kids from school. So this might have been the Andy Staples show featuring Cookie ah. with Mina Kimes featuring Lenny. So uh, Lenny's one of a kind. I don't know if Cookie's got any, you know, on mic experience, but can't not every dog can just step up and co-host. Cookie is four months old. She's a Bernie Doodle. Uh, she has attempted to eat some mics, uh, but she has not mm-hmm. yet asked a question on mic. So I, I will I will be Lenny's agent, though. I, I gotta tell you, your podcast, he gets to ask one question per show. I feel like he 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 it's time to expand his role. He needs to get like two or three questions. Well, you know, listeners, longtime listeners remember when he used to ask it in his voice, which is a voice that I do um, in lieu of, I, everyone was a dog knows that they do voices for their dogs. So I don't know why I sound shame. Anyways, I, I stopped doing the voice after I was just, just mortified when I had like my, Matt Hasselbeck as a guest. I was like, I can't ask Matt Hasselbeck a question in my dog's voice. And since then, I've gotten many negative reviews saying he's been silenced, free Lenny. So um, you're not the only one lobbying on his behalf. I, I'm I'm in. And well, no, I, I just remember when I was doing SiriusXM shows, when I started with them in 2015, we had a Basset Hound. And Basset Hounds, very vocal creatures, very, you know, they they don't. They're not shy about letting you know what's going on. And they, she she's and so something would happen and she would be on the show. So I just had to be prepared to have her on the show at all times. So I think I can find a way to work cookie in once she gets to the point where she won't bite everything in sight. Just ease it in, ease it in, you know, maybe a couple of yips bark here and there. Well, I I was going to have her do a mock draft, but you know, I I think she's, listen, she, she's a big Zach Wilson fan. She would prefer Mm. the Jaguars to take him over Trevor Lawrence. So I I don't know. I I mean, she's a puppy. What does she know? So dogs usually want to take tailbacks early, eh? which of course we nerd football do not agree with. So I don't let Lenny. No. Well, we we will get into drafting philosophy because this is, I, I wanted to have you on because you are great at explaining the why of football. And I, I try to tell people I would never use a first round pick on a running back unless that running back can catch 60 balls a year. And people are like, well, no, what? but I, I was thinking about this as, as you guys were talking, you were talking to Courtney Cronin today on your podcast about needs and, and you've been on NFL live and, and you've almost gotten away from the word wide receiver. You, you're using pass catcher this year. So you can include Kyle Pitts in this, yeah. in this bunch at the top. <laughs> And I feel like the 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 backs who catch a lot of passes need to be involved in this too because I just in this in the the way the NFL has evolved if you cannot contribute to the passing game on every down I'm not sure how much value you have. Yes, but I would say from a draft value perspective um 
while back, like, I don't know, Najee Harris is a great pass catcher, great route runner. He's my RB1. Um, well, you know, he's still probably going to average like seven yards of reception. <laughs> so again, on a relative value basis, when you're thinking about roster construction and where to allocate those resources, I would still lean towards not even that first top three of wide receivers, but the next year as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking because Harris is very valuable. Uh, ETN, we saw who who can catch a lot of passes. Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis, the guy I think might wind up actually being the best out, out of this bunch. Those are all guys you get very low in the first, high in the second, you know, mid-second. So th- there's value there. But I, I was very interested in, in what you guys were talking about on NFL Live on Tuesday where you, you did a mock draft, you and Dan Orlovsky. And you were the GM for the 49ers. So you went with Justin Fields. And then Dan proposed a trade where the Cardinals take Kyle Pitts. And I was like, that is nuts. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, that is genius. I I love it for Arizona. I don't think um, the, I can't remember exactly what Dan, I think Dan said a second next year, which I don't think is going to be enough to move from 16 to four generously, given the uh, appetite for Kyle Pitts amongst the NFL. I mean, every team wants Kyle Pitts. Every team can use a Kyle Pitts. I don't care who you have and what your needs are. Um, But yeah, I mean, I agreed with Dan in the sense that Arizona not only needs tight end, I think they need a a secondary weapon is the uh, synonym I've been using for pass catcher for Kyler Murray and Kyle Pitts would take their offense to the next level and force Cliff Kingsbury to uh, use two tight end sets, maybe, which would be exciting. I, I immediately dove into the the old stats because I was like, I want to look something. As soon as, as soon as they said that, I, I want to look something up because I remember Cliff inherited a pretty good pass catching tight end, not a great blocking tight end, pretty good pass catch, catching tight end named Jason Morrow when he became the head coach at Texas Tech. In Cliff's first year at Texas Tech, and Cliff was not a tight end guy. He was a pure, more of a pure air raid guy. Uh, Jason Morrow caught 106 passes for like wow. 1,400 yards. So it forced into it. I think it would be good. But but yeah. I want to get back to your pick of, of Justin Fields with the 49ers because I think that that pick, that trade that got the 49ers to three is is the probably propelling most of the intrigue going to the draft. Like – you know, you have your Daniel Jeremiah's who say, oh, they're they're taking Mac Jones. That's this is to take Mac Jones. I, I have no idea who they're taking. What about Justin Fields, you know, between him, Trey Lance, Mac Jones makes you decide that that's the guy I would take. So I should first be clear. These these were our drafts, no, not right. what we think will happen. I do not. I'll, I'll say exactly. it right now. I do not think San Francisco is taking Justin Fields. If they do, it would be a Mount Etna level smoke screen. Vesuvius maybe is a better smoke screen. I don't know. Anyway, it's a good smoke screen. Yeah. Too soon. Too soon. I think enough time has passed. Um, it's, uh, it would be a smoke of screen of epic proportions uh, because Mac Jones, not just Daniel DJ, our reporters have been pointing a glaring neon sign in the direction of Mac Jones or um, have thrown out Trey Lance as a possibility uh, too. Of course, we just saw San Francisco went to his pro day and and had him like run the San Francisco offense, which is an amazing development in pro days. But anyways, um, I like Justin Fields for the Niners because I think that a Kyle Shannon offense, every quarterback fits in it. Every quarterback will look better. To me, the question is, is there a quarterback that 
not only can fit in it, but also can elevate it. Um, you know, it has that sort of, God, it's becoming a cliche, but second reaction ability that is so necessary in the NFL now when you run into really good defenses that can disguise their intentions and get pressure with four. And I think Justin Fields has those abilities. He has the traits. He has the accuracy that's necessary to run that offense. What he doesn't have is um, a like a, a, a quickness to him, you know, and this right. is the constant debate about Justin Fields. Does the fact that he holds on the football long, is that a product of the Ohio State offense? You would you would know better than I. Or um, is it something that can be worked out? I think like looking at the quarterbacks taking over the last few years and the ones that have developed into superstars, I'm going to bet on the traits guy. uh, And I don't see why Kyle Shanahan wouldn't either. But he appears to be determined not to. I, I understand the Mac Jones thing with Kyle Shanahan to get the ball out because he's been in an offense with Steve Sarkeesian that is, this is the read. If this guy is open, you throw it to him now. Then you move on. If that guy is open, you throw it to there's a there's a great YouTube clip from after the 19th season. So Jones had played the last four games after Tua got hurt. And and Sarkeesian's explaining their railroad concept, which is, you know, you got the back coming out of the backfield and the mm-hmm. back's the first read. And he's like, this is he's at a coaching clinic. He's like screaming as the back is open. Throw it to the back. He is open. Just throw it to him. <laughs> And I get the feeling Shanahan's kind of like that too. Like I have drawn it up this way. I built this perfect he machine. Open, Just pull the levers. The ball. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. It, it, well, I, I think it was Daniel uh, Jeremiah was on Robert Mays' podcast, uh, the athletic football show for those uh, who are listening. Daniel, I believe called what Mike Shanahan, or, uh, Mike Shanahan, what, what Kyle Shanahan wants a human joystick. And yeah. I was thinking about that as I was playing Madden against my son and getting destroyed. Uh, when when I hit the the triangle button, I want him to throw to the triangle receiver, and I just imagine Kyle Shanahan being like that, like screaming silently during games when a quarterback misses a read because he was hitting the circle button. Yeah, and there's this. I mean, all offensive-minded coaches have a certain confidence, whether it's that they think they can develop the quarterback, turn the rock clay into something, or whether they think their offense is brilliant. Kyle Shanahan, I think, is the best offensive mind in the NFL. But we have seen repeatedly there's a time where these brilliant offensive coordinators run into a brick wall, whether that's their own quarterback's limitations, which is, I think, what we saw in Los Angeles, eventually compelling Mm -hmm. Sean McVay to move on or um, an, an incredible defense. And, you know, I, I just think my question with Mac, who I think can be a decent NFL, a good NFL quarterback, by the way, yeah. I'm not as slow on him as I think some people, is have we hit the ceiling? Because, again, to go back, like my biggest mistakes over the last few years have been underestimating Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Um right. I, I take more blame for the Justin Herbert one. because Although the other day I went back, I said this on my pod, I went back and watched Oregon. I was like, no, actually he, he was not. <laughs> was right. No, he wasn't. But, and, and I was the same yeah. way last year about Justin Herbert. Cause I kept saying, is he going to be that kind of guy when he gets, cause I remember interviewing Justin Herbert, his junior year. And he just seemed so surprised that all of this was happening to him. And he just did like, cause most quarterbacks have that, that inner confidence that is so high that of course I'm the starting quarterback at Oregon. Of course, this is, of course the NFL teams want me, but Justin Herbert, very smart guy, also very honest guy was like, yeah, this is crazy. Like they want me. What? 
And it wasn't false humility. It was just like kind of trying to process all of this. And mm-hmm. so I wondered when he got to the NFL, could he command a, I mean, think about the, the alphas you're dealing with on the chargers. I mean, in, just it, within the chargers offense. And so mm-hmm. will he, will he command their respect immediately? And, and, but he did, he did as soon as he got there. And, you know, it, it, it was interesting because it, it felt like he looked like a different quarterback at the end of the, the time at Oregon, almost because they changed the offense around and let him run a little more, let him run some people over a little more. I think, I think they were trying to protect him a little bit early, but then realized, okay, we want to win a Pac-12 title. Let's, let's let our 6'6", 240-pound dude steamroll some people. And he, he, he came out more confident, and, and he's good. But the Allen thing, I was the same way. Because no one has gotten more accurate going to the more difficult level yeah. until him. And I think there's some danger in placing too much emphasis on what we saw from Allen because it is so historically unprecedented and required, I think, the convergence of Allen's own work ethic, great coaching, incredible weapons, and GMing. All of that happened at once at the same time with him. But still, I said this on our show a bunch, who's the great pocket passer drafted in the last 10 years? I mean, it's like... Mm. Cousins is okay. Derek Carr is decent. It's really hard to find one. And so, again, if I'm an NFL team, I'm looking at the last 10 years of drafts and I'm thinking, oh, man, I'd rather bet on my ability to draft the tools guy. And there are four guys with really cool tools in this draft. Matt Jones, again, good quarterback, but he's not a tools guy. Right. And and Wilson has the crazy arm angles, crazy arm strength, Mm -hmm. which is what we saw out of Mahomes coming out. And with Mahomes, it was, well, no, nobody's ever succeeded coming from the air raid to the NFL. Well, it, it took Andy Reid saying, you know what? We're going to kind of meet you where you are, but we're also going to have this year with Alex Smith where we're not going to throw you to the wolves. And I, I think that that helped too. But yeah, I, I appreciate that the NFL coaches have finally started to kind of meet the college QBs where they are instead of complaining about, what they don't know how to do. And I think that probably is the reason why we don't have that many great drop back passers being selected because that's not who, who succeeds in college anymore usually. Yeah. And I think also in the NFL, there is a lot of pressure to develop quickly. And those passers, if you don't have your legs to lean on as your get out of jail free card, it can be really hard to make that adjustment to the NFL. And there are probably... Um, I don't know, maybe like a Josh Rosen, for example, maybe eight years ago, Josh Rosen gets more time to develop in the NFL. But in this league, you know, where the the rookie contract's ticking, it's just not happening. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I've heard you guys talk about this, and I know the Atlanta thing is is still kind of up in the air. What will they do? Will they take Kyle Pitts? Uh, Penny Sewell's probably there. Do they do they take a quarterback and, and kind of have him be an heir apparent to Matt Ryan? The the thing I would love to see happen that I think would be the greatest thing 
is Justin Fields get picked by Atlanta. Have a year, sit behind Matt Ryan, become the starter, and then, I mean, if Justin Fields from, I believe he's from Kennesaw, he's, he's from just mm-hmm. you know one of those northern suburbs, leads Atlanta to a Super Bowl, it will, I mean, it'd be like if Outcast reunited. Like, it would be <laughs> huge in that city. And I just, I mean, he would be an icon. And yeah. so I, I just think that would be such a perfect combination. Now, is that what Jonathan Smith wants to do? I, I don't know. I mean, he's he had he's coming from a pretty athletic quarterback. Ryan Tannehill was a college wide receiver before oh. he was a college quarterback. So it's it, maybe. I was, yeah. I just feel like that would be such a perfect situation. But I don't know if the Falcons would do it, given the the salary cap commitment to Ryan. Yeah, I would love the marriage of Justin and Arthur Smith. I mean, just that offense would be great for him. Um, and I say Jonathan Smith, he's the coach at Oregon State. My it's, bad. It's a, it's a really uh, anonymous name. So <laughs> Arthur Smith, and he's a very not. I mean, he most people can't even identify him by despite the fact that he's the um, son of the FedEx billionaire, which is one yes. of the more weird, fascinating and well, things. Well, the, the, the son we remember of, of Fred Smith is Cannon Smith, who played quarterback, uh, I believe, at Miami and at Memphis, I think. Um, Arthur, is Arthur the young? Yeah, no, I think there's like a zillion kids. In there's that a family. lot of kids. But yeah. in any case, um, I, I love it from a football perspective. My only... Um, hesitation for Atlanta would be, I was actually kind of confused that they did this. They restructured Matt Ryan's contract. So they pushed a ton of dead money out, which uh, we, and the NFL love and um, to clear up some cap space. So next year, pre-June, it would cost them like $40 million to move on from Matt post June. It would be, I believe 25. And then they would hit the, the, Remaining so Carson, Carson Wentz moving on from Carson Wentz type. Money. You know, it's 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 all the vogue. Yeah. But I will say, I think this, and you would know more about this than me by a lot. But I, this draft seems so much better than the next one. Yes, that it might still be worth it for Atlanta to take that swing now because they're probably not going to pick it for again, and this might be their shot at their quarterback of the future. So it's the most fascinating team in the draft because. I've said this before. Everything they could do is kind of defensible, including trading down, taking pits yeah. or taking Justin Fields. But you're right. It would be a fabulous story. Well, and, and the thing is, like, if because Mac Jones feels like the, the 49ers, you know, the, there's a fit there. But if they wind up going with Lance, then I don't think it's an Aaron Rodgers type fall through the draft where there's nobody needed For a Mac. quarterback. But it's but it's who comes up. You know, is Bill Belichick pushing the button right yeah. at that point because he can get a QB? Uh, I don't know that Max tall enough for John Elway, so I, I just you know, it, there's there is a it's like it's like riding a roller coaster to being yeah, the Broncos yeah. quarterback. You have six to be two, this tall, he is, right? That's definitely yeah. No, you got to yeah. be six four. So yeah, sorry, Mac. What do you what do you think Elway said when he saw Brock Osweiler for the first time? Perfect. Perfection, like that um, Steve Jobs meme or whatever. Um, man, I, I've been hammering the table for the Broncos to take a quarterback because I think that team is a quarterback away, and I was really disappointed by what Drew Locke did there this year. So yeah, not was, that I, I was not. super high on him, but yeah, I feel like, you know, Drew Locke's also a guy who, you know, we saw he played for – all those years in college and he got better every year, but it's not like he's that unknown quantity only played for a year. Maybe there's still time. Like 
I think we kind of know who he is at this point. And for Denver, I don't think it's enough. Well, that's the thing. I mean, sample size is an interesting thing with this whole quarterback class. I mean, Trevor, we have a huge sample size. Zach Wilson's a little bit tougher just because BYU's schedule got blown up. Like if BYU had played its original schedule and he'd put up those numbers, I'd feel differently. Just, who were they supposed to play? I no so uh, let me let me call it the original schedule had I believe six Power Five opponents. They would have played Ooh. Arizona State. They would have played, I believe they would have played Utah. Um, I think. I can't remember if they had a. No, I think they had a Notre Dame game, <sighs> or, or oh, wow. maybe they were talking to Notre Dame. Yeah, I think they maybe they're talking to Notre Dame about a game before Notre I, Dame got to play the ACC I, schedule. Although I, I I cannot see how. Well, I mean, perhaps Zach Wilson would have been awesome and been number one contention, but I, it seems like he has benefited from the lack of competition. I would have personally liked to see that because it sure would have helped the evaluation process. Because when I watch BYU, I'm like, holy smokes. Well, exactly. I mean, they've seven. got a bunch of 24 year old dudes blocking They're players, so good. you know, from, from much lower levels. Okay. The original schedule included Utah, Michigan State, Arizona State, Minnesota, Utah State, Missouri, Houston, Northern Illinois, Boise State, San Diego State, and Stanford. So, I mean, it, it's would have been a very different yeah. evaluation. He, 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 man, that Utah 2019 tape you know, looms large in the mind. I know he was banged up all year, but well, yeah, U- I Utah find him did really that to hard. a lot of QBs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Those Utah DBs, man. Um, I don't. Yeah. What do you think of Zach Wilson? I don't want to. I, I, I find I him just, very hard to evaluate. I do, too. I, I love his arm talent. I, I, and I love I love the way he can throw like he can make a throw out of nothing. But like there was one play that, that people were show, showing the other day where he kind of curls around the right tackle who uh, is getting beat and makes this unbelievable throw. I'm trying to remember who it was against, but it was it was not against a great team. And it was one of those, if you're playing, let's say, Stanford or you're playing Michigan State in that situation, you're probably just on the ground instead of making that throw. So that that's the part. But that, that but because he wasn't playing, it doesn't mean he can't. Yeah. It just means we don't know. And I feel the same about Trey Lance. You know, Trey Lance played for an option team in high school. So his first real experience playing quarterback in a, in a passing offense is as a redshirt freshman at North Dakota state. And he was amazing, but that's all we got because of this, because of the pandemic. Yeah. My, I think my friend Danny Kelly tweeted that Trey Lance threw like a hundred passes in high school or something. And then yes, yeah. a single season. It is, it's, it's remarkable. That used to be, people used to be so terrified of that. Right. But then we had Kyler Murray with the season and I, I, but People aren't as Kyler, scared Kyler anymore. Murray played for Allen High School in yeah, Texas. Right. He played big division football in the city. Kyler Murray, I mean, he couldn't have gone to the NFL from high school, but he had played against a bunch of future NFL players in high school. So yes. it wasn't like... And he, then in college, he was, you know, he... It, right, it, he wasn't in, in real, shock. Real team, so. yeah. yeah, so that's the part with Trey Lance. Like, if I were drafting Trey Lance, I would draft him with the intention of redshirting him. I think whatever team takes him probably will, unless it's, I mean, if it's Denver or New England, I think he might, that might be the stated attention at the beginning. And I would give Drew Locke about four games. I'd have to see their schedule (laughs) before uh, that gets blown to pieces as it does literally every year. I just, I, I worry with a lot of these guys coming from college who don't have the bigger sample size or who didn't play against 
competition where they're seeing a bunch of future NFL guys that the shock of it will be too much. It'll shatter their confidence and and you don't get it back because you don't get like you were talking about earlier. You just don't get that much time. And I think I think there have been some quarterbacks thrown away who might have ultimately become good, but they were just thrown to the wolves too. And we see that in college a lot too. You know, uh, there's a guy in this draft, Felipe Franks, who yeah. kind of was lucky that he got a, a fresh start and a second chance because he was one of those. He started as a redshirt freshman at Florida. He should not have started a game until he was a redshirt junior. And and it took a while to get his confidence back to, to where it should have been. So, um, but I just, yeah, I, I worry about that. But the other thing, that, and I'm curious about, because you follow this every day and you talk about this every day, the narratives that, that spring up around these quarterbacks, like the Justin Fields thing, at what, the, and I realize Mort works for you guys, so you, but, but the baseball thing he said the other day, I just started laughing because I was like, okay, there's a team that wants Justin Fields to fall to them, clearly, because where is all this stuff coming from? I, I'll tell you just from my end, you know, talking about these guys, like so much attention and so much of it, our airspace is focused on five guys right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it is that it is silly. Like we are just picking, everyone's picking them apart. And my hope is, you know, we're, we, when we pick them apart, we're saying, Hey, let's look at this, you know, let's look at Zach Wilson's tape against coastal and let's pick that apart. Right. Um, cause it's interesting. There, there is a lot to learn there, but it is, uh, it, it's a lot of time spent with a small group of players. That's for sure. So one more quarterback question. And then, cause I know you don't want to talk about quarterbacks all day. I want to talk about, I, I, yeah. What, you, what have we been got, doing in the last 30 minutes, picking these quarterbacks apart? Why, why aren't well, you asking me about, uh, everybody loves know, quarterback. Oh, oh, oh we can get into Penny Sewell versus, uh, Vera Tucker. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, I do have a question. Actually, before I get to this other quarterback question, I want to ask you about, the Elijah Vera Tucker thing reminded me of this. So Elijah Vera oh, Tucker God. is a guy. I was who, like, I actually who, don't have many take, <laughs> smart takes on Elijah. He no, seems no. good. He, no, he played. He played guard, uh, and and probably will play guard in the NFL. But but played offensive tackle for uh, number one for guard USC team. last year. I I laugh reading this, and I love I love all the the folks who really talk line play. Friedrich Lance Zerline is one of my favorites, and and Dane Brugler for us loves line play, but. If you read the draft, the, the draft evaluator types, there are only three people in a given draft who can actually play offensive tackle. Like you read the, uh, you read the, oh, yeah. and move like, him to this guard. This guy probably is better at guard. Even Slater, right? That's what they're saying. Yes. He's, he's built you like have to have 64 tackles at I mean, any I, given moment. I, I simply, <laughs> I defer on offensive line stuff. I would say Sewell is a weird exception where when I'm watching, I'm like, holy shit. I, even I can mm-hmm. see that this, this fella is moving at a, a speed that someone that size should not be moving with a level. Like he looks like a cat and he's 330 pounds. I get that. Yep. But you know, I'm not going to front and pretend like I'm like, yeah, he's got the best feet in the class. His, you know, <laughs> his sets are really good. Um, his but I just kick my, slides. Unbelievable. Oh man. I, I, I'm very blessed in that Mike Bullock Jr. at ESPN is one of my closest friends. And I literally probably text him 200 times a day being like, so, uh, what do you think about, uh, Darius Hoffers Jenkins? I'll hang up Golick play center guard and tackle at Notre Dame. I know he played multiple I, positions. I know so. he played multiple positions. I'm a bad friend. and don't remember which ones, but he is <laughs> awesome at that stuff. And, uh, and happy to impart his knowledge. 
But it, I, I just find that hilarious because you have to have 64 people capable of playing tackle at the, in the NFL. And then you don't have any backups, by the way. So realistically, there's probably 128 people that must be employed as an offensive tackle in the NFL. So they can't all just be guards. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that Rashawn Slater will be a very nice tackle. I think it's level. fine. Yeah. But the Sewell, the Sewell thing's it fun to me, it. too, because I I just, I, I know, um, I I went out to Eugene for a story his freshman year, and I didn't know much about him. They, they had, It was early in the season, so I hadn't really gotten a chance to see them play yet. And they take me out to practice, and they, sh- they, they just point at him. That's the freshman starting at left tackle. I'm like, oh, my. And then you talk to Mario Cristobal, who's been around. I mean, he played on the baddest ass of badass Miami teams where all the offensive linemen were pros, all the defensive linemen were pros. And he's like, this is the best guy I've ever coached. And this is, he's a true freshman. You're like, okay, I'm going to believe that. A teen, a teen he was. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. Mind blowing. So Tom Brady made his first appearance for the Patriots in a preseason game two months before Panay was born. <laughs> That's good. That's a good it's crazy. draft. But I need some draft fun facts like that. I might steal that one from you. Oh, it's you That's are you one. are more than welcome to it. But people love yeah, Tom I, Brady age facts. So yeah. Well I mean, you know, now I we, we just have to do the math all the time. He was he started playing this many years before the iPhone, this many years before before Twitter, this many years before Instagram. So but it, it is. I'm 42, so seeing a human being older than me playing in the NFL absolutely blows my mind because I know how my joints feel. Yeah, I'm 35, and I started to feel it when they started calling me Miss and Misses, <laughs> like maybe five but years ago. Yeah, like, that's oh, the the pandemic has made me feel better about that because when you're wearing the mask, they still card you when you buy beer. Mm. <laughs> I've never thought about it that way. I just like because I don't have to wear makeup, so. There you different, go. Different problems. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. My other quarterback question for you. Uh, I have a story that will come out the day that this podcast is coming, Wednesday morning. Uh, I worked with Grace Rayner, who's our, our Clemson writer on this. We, we talked to some of the Jaguars fans who, uh, who bought gifts off of, uh, of Trevor Lawrence's wedding registry. And sent them, and uh, they they bought a very nice touchscreen toaster, um, a two hundred five dollar chopping block. Um, so I'm, I'm going to ask you: there, there's some there's some gifts still here. Which what 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 would you rather have of of the ones they still need? Uh, would you like the Lacrucet nonstick ten piece set, or the aluminum pasta maker, or and I can't believe nobody bought this. The KitchenAid Artisan Series 5 Quart Tilt Head Stand Mixer. Oh, Stand Mixer. Definitely. Exactly! Yeah. Who doesn't buy the Stand Mixer? Yeah, that's lux- that's luxury. You just, that exact product. I would, I, and I need one, so, it's, yeah. Uh, we, we have the one that I think my, wife, my wife's mom got for her wedding. It's still yeah. going. I think you can only acquire a stand mixer by getting married. Like you can't actually buy one just on your yeah, own. The, the, you have to get married. They will, Some they people probably get married you. just to get them. Do you, like, do you still have your wedding license? Do you just bring it in? Yeah, I promise yeah. I'm married. I can have this. Well, I mean, God, you might as well just go through with a wedding just to get the mixer, you know? 
They wanted a $2,900 leather sofa from Craig. Really? Girl. Nobody bought it for him. Didn't know people registered for furniture. I, I wow. thought that was a little odd too. But the touchscreen toaster, apparently very popular. Uh, the, the fans were going to, uh, they were going to chip in and, and buy one. And then the guy who started it got so much money so fast for the toaster, he realized we could probably do better than this. And they decided to just make it a fundraiser. And they, oh, so this, the Lawrence, this isn't his registry. Someone made this, this is his registry. No, this oh, is okay. really his registry. Oh, wow. I'm They're, surprised the, the $2,900 leather sofa didn't, you know, inspire a round of need, sports one radio of one. Uh, takes, you know, oh, this is entitled millennial thinks that he's in, you know, deserves a sofa or is just getting no, married. Him, him, him saying that football isn't the, the end all be all was what, yeah, was what set off sports talk radio. He so. likes being in a sofa. Now we know why. Well, he Soft. got two sets of two sets of knives. He has twenty nine pieces of knives. He has a Hinkle set and a Cuisinart set. Sounds like they like cooking. I know. I don't know if it's him or Marissa that likes to cook, or maybe it's both. Maybe they cook together. It looks like. I mean, that's a that's a big 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 kid there. So, man, big yeah. man. Well, and and one uh, a lady who is a massive Jaguars fan, and she told us this because. Uh, her name, her kids' names are Jackson, spelled like the Jacksonville mascot, and London, uh, named because of a game in London where the child was um, conceived. Uh, <laughs> or, yeah, she told us that on the record. That is, this is <laughs> so, peak, that is peak Duval. I, that I is. nothing but respect. I, I say this is someone who lives two counties over from Duval. Uh, it 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 feels right. It just feels, but she bought, she bought the, the chopping block and her, she says her husband is not a football fan at all. And he's like, why did you pay $200 for a chopping block for total strangers? And she's like, it's Trevor Lawrence, honey. She's like, do you not know the names of our children? You think this is taking it too far? (laughs) Exactly. Amazing. Exactly. So yeah, this, this is, but this is the, these are the quarterback takes that I'm here for, not breaking down how Trevor Lawrence feels about life and, and the sport of football uh, based on some, the, the quotes to me as someone who has followed Trevor Lawrence for a while, I was like, ah, that sounds like him. Like it doesn't change the way I feel about him at all. Mm. Yeah. It seems generational. You know, there was a story, ESPN had a story about Trey Lance um, that came out as well by Tim Kuhn and he, he had some kind of similar quotes in it. They didn't get as much attention, but Um, you know, he talked about when he was young, he was kind of overlooked a lot. Trey Lance actually Mm -hmm. had Trey Lance, unlike Trevor Lawrence actually can make a case for having a chip on his shoulder. Right. Exactly. But he said he, he was like, yeah, I don't really think about that way. I don't really care. Like, you know, if people are against me, I don't mind that I, you know, I wasn't that loud as a kid. And and now it's like, man, this is very refreshing. And I feel like something might be afoot generationally with how kids talk about themselves and perceive themselves. Yeah. And, and Trevor's thing, the, the no chip on the shoulder, I mean, he's been the best at it. Right. His entire life. Like, Dion never had a chip on his shoulder either because Dion yeah. was the best. Like, yeah. Dion was the best in elementary school. He was the best in middle school, the best in high school, and the best in college. Like, and, and then the best in the NFL. That doesn't mean he didn't work hard because you can have all the God-given talent in the world and not, if you don't try in the NFL, you're not going to make it. But he was the best. <laughs> and you know, Trevor's been the same way and, and we'll see if that actually a- actually works out for him. I mean, it's 
that's the that's the amazing thing to me is it, it, you can you can study this and break it down every way you want. It is still basically a like 30-70 proposition whether a quarterback's going to pan out in the first round. Well, there are any like many players will, right? I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, we we do our best, teams do their best, the players do their best, but the NFL is a really, really difficult league and situation determines far more than uh, any of us, I think, represent. Before I let you go, I got to ask, so you've been doing a lot of studying on different players in the draft. Who are a couple of your just absolute favorites that when you, you put the video on, you're like, oh boy, this is so much fun. Oh boy, who's fun? Um, okay, I got to stand for a husky, um, and and there's a few huskies that opted out. And well, I, first of all, of, I I I appreciate your Vita Vea fanship I mean, because he's one of my absolute favorites, one of the best players in the NFL, frankly. Um, but uh, it's not going to be the any of the defensive linemen for me. I'm going to go with Elijah Molden. I just think he's mm-hmm. So underrated. Um, I know, you know, there's questions like how high can a slot corner go? And and also I had uh, Mike Renner on my pod and mentioned him and he said he thinks he should play safety. And I can see some argument for that depending on where he ends up. But I just think the way things are going in the league, you know, where with passing and the kind of defenses and schemes we're seeing emerge, I just think he's such a useful piece for a really good defense. And he's so smart, so instinctive, so athletic. Um, yeah, he's he's just... I love, he was one of my favorite players to watch at Washington, you know, during his well, career there. So and I love he him. strikes me as someone who fits very well into what the league is becoming. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I always talk about Alabama and I remember watching, you know, Nick Saban's defenses struggle against the, the up-tempo spread offenses that were, that were coming out with four wides and five wides a lot. And so what did he do to fix that? His entire secondary, and they'd play in nickel all the time, would be guys who were recruited as corners. Yeah. He'd just then find the guys who who had safety-type traits, like Minka Fitzpatrick, who could do a little bit of everything. Um, but he just wasn't worried about, like, can you cover was the baseline. And then, oh, you can cover and you can come up and, and support the run. Okay, well, then we'll play you at safety. But can you cover had to be the first thing. And that's why I like that's why I like Mullen. He's just so good at reading quarterbacks, too. And yeah. um Anyway, so I think he's I to me like he I look at him and I think you're going to be good in the NFL. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but I just think I would draft him probably higher than I've seen him being mocked. Um I guess a wide receiver that I like. Uh this has the influence of your fellow uh contributor Nate Tice. Uh oh, but yeah. I'm really into Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Um yep. I he's I'm, I think he does him as wide receiver too. He's four for me, but um, ESPN they put together these reels for the players and you know just which is merciful you know so I don't have to watch every Minnesota game and exactly. um, I just think he's just so complete as a player already. Um, his cuts, his route running ability. He's obviously got this height and speed, catch radius, um, yards after contact like just I think he's the total package frankly and in a risk in a draft where a lot of the receivers are not that where you've got a bunch of really small fast guys and then yeah. a couple of bigger guys I think he stands out like to me I would absolutely take him in the first round I've seen him land all the way I mean I if I'm the Ravens it's a no-brainer 27 I think he should go earlier I'm looking at teams like Tennessee, that's not the Ravens aren't allowed to do that 
I, I always they, hate they when, the Ravens, like when they man. got, when they got Patrick queen last year, I was like, that's not fair. Like somebody should have picked him first and don't let them outdraft you every time. <laughs> I, I, I we'll see what happens. They really need a wide receiver. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes, but I really I, like this player. Interesting that you bring up Nate. Nate and Robert Mays had a conversation on on Robert's show a couple weeks ago that I was actually yelling at my radio as I was driving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And and it was the conversation was the way the wide receiver position has evolved over the last twenty years, not not just in the NFL, but from from elementary school up. You know guys are catching more balls. And and really it started in high schools 20 years ago when high schools became more spread forward. And so guys are in seven on seven catching balls. In college, they go to offenses where they catch 70 balls a year. And, and so instead of having these guys coming out where if they had a good season, maybe they caught 40 or 50, you know, you have guys who maybe for three years averaged 70 catches. There's so many good wide receivers right now. And that's why if you can take Kyle Pitts, if you can take Panay Sewell, you take them and go yeah, find a receiver later because that's how I feel, they're yeah. going to be good wide receivers next year. I actually think if Panay is there for Miami, they should take him and wait for a receiver later on. Agreed. And I got into argument with uh, Todd and Dan today on NFL Live about that. I mean, they're picking an 18 too. They can get Bateman. They, <laughs> so, exactly. I, I love yeah, Jamar you can't Chase. Get I another love Panay Devontae Sewell, Smith. man. Yep. Yeah. Love, love Jalen Waddle. But if Panay Sewell is there, I am taking him. If Kyle Pitts is there, I am taking him. Like, cause I can't find those guys in five. May, maybe one of them comes along in the next five years, but maybe not. Yeah. The, the production of good receivers, the, the receiver factory is working overtime right now. So there will be more. So that's, I, I I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page on that one, but Bateman, I'm with you. Like that, that was me. That was T Higgins with me last year. Like, T. Higgins is gonna make somebody so happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he he's a fun player. I I really enjoy watching him too. So, Mina, thank you so much. This has been so much fun, and we will be listening to to the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny. We will be watching you on NFL Live, and it has been an honor. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.